3: Are you stale? Are you in a rut? Or do you need some type of change or career change? Maybe you're being a good person by being loyal to your employer, but it's only of benefit to them and not you. Now this stuff can come up regardless of our career changes, but we're going to touch on finding our passion, finding fulfillment, which will lead to unlocking your income, even after years in the same role. So if you're at a stage where you're currently questioning all that there is in your life at the moment, well, this episode's for you. We answer a listener's question and we go deep about being in the one job for years. Can't move because I feel I'll be letting my boss down. So whether you're an entrepreneur or a small business owner, whether you're a nine to five employee or somewhere in between, this chat today holds the potential and it may act as a catalyst for you to make a change. It doesn't have to happen right away, but you can start to get the wheels in motion to make the change, to become unstuck, to become fresh and not stale. We spend way too much time at work in this life, so why not do things that we are actually passionate about? So focus on what you're doing right now and just ask yourself, do I want to be doing this in three years' time, in two years' time, whatever that time period is. Only you will know and you can start to get the wheels in place today. But we couldn't record and share this episode without our friends at Sharesies. Investing regularly can help you grow your wealth over the long term. And with the Sharesies Auto Invest feature, it's never been easier to put your investing on repeat. I put all my money stuff on automation, on rinse and repeat. Investing is no different. All you need to do is pick an order, the amount you want to regularly invest, make sure your wallet is topped up and Auto Invest will place the orders for you. Now, you can get $10 added to your account when you sign up to the Sharesies platform using the exclusive promo code MMM. All investing involves risks. T's and C's and fees apply. Thank you, Sharesies. My name's Glenn James. Today, we're joined by John Pigeon of My Millennial Property. You're listening to My Millennial Money. John Pidgeon, My Millennial Property. Hey, we've got a bit of a question here. Lachlan emailed in a question and you can jump on a website and email in any questions. A lot of the time, if you just email an audio question, team at sortyourmoneyout.com, we'll probably play it because it makes for good podcasting when we hear your voice. But there's a question here from Lachlan about his career. And I wanted to have a bit of a chat about it with John. So let's have a listen to the question.
0: Hi there, relatively new listener here and I love the content you're putting out. I'm looking for some advice from an outside source on my situation. I've been a cabinet maker for 14 years since I left school. It has been a testing career having been through redundancy, mistreatment, a liquidation and a factory fire. I'm currently 2IC of a company building custom solid timber furniture, working 6 day weeks and constantly on the verge of burnout. I stuck it out all these years to get to this point but I've found it has not been worth it. I'm proud of my work but I've lost my passion and I'm not earning anywhere near what I want to be. On top of that, it is clear to me that the company isn't doing well. My boss has mismanaged and micromanaged it to a point that I don't see how we can even be profitable. Whenever I try to talk about it, all he does is brush it off. The sad part is we had a really close friendship for many years together. However, I've found my mindset shifting in recent years and also have an 18-month-old daughter to think of now. I've been toying with the idea of starting a handyman business. I have the skills and work ethic and I have seen plenty of evidence to know it can be highly profitable while also allowing greater work-life balance if done right. My predicament is being scared to take the leap in case I fail. And also knowing that if I were to leave my current employment, it would likely be the catalyst to the business ending, even though I feel the writing is on the wall. I feel my best option would be to start part-time one day a week to slowly build the business and also not leave my boss in the lurch. The burning question is how do I stop worrying about my current employer and focus on myself while also managing the fear of the unknown? Would love to hear your thoughts. So, John, a lot going on there. What are your initial comments to
3: Lachlan?
1: yeah it's it's a common situation I find well, whether we climb in the ladder or not we're just we're just passionate about what we're doing and we're trading our time for money and hopefully our income's increasing along the journey. But those two things of passion and income uh, are, are somewhat driving us. but by the sounds of it, he's actually lost both of it the The passion's gone, and the the income side of it isn't maybe what he expected or not no longer relevant for for his time in life. Um, but the big thing is for me is now he started a family. So often what I find with people starting families is priorities often, often change and just climbing the ladder in the corporate world is, is no longer enough. Um, so those three have culminated in what the hell am I actually doing um, and, and that common part of also uh, I'm in it, I'm a loyal, uh, well-serving part of this business and I'm thinking more about the business and, and the owner than I am my own situation. So hats off to him for, for, for thinking that way. But yeah, if you we, if we want to put it raw, he's he's got to look after his own backyard, doesn't he?
3: Yeah. So what does he do? Does he start his own business or does he find another job in the same industry?
1: Mm. Oh, look, I, I think... Does he really want to start his own business? Is he an entrepreneur? Is he is he got that burning ambition to do that or is it just a band-aid effect? and if it if he does really want to do it, then I would I would be going that way for sure and he's taking control of his own destiny. but um, young family there's there's risks associated with that which no doubt is uh, is making impacting his decision. What would you do?
3: Yeah, I look I wrote down a heap of notes as we were listening to that. And there's four broad categories that are present in Lachlan's predicament. First and foremost, I will be sending Lachlan a copy of our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money, because that will help really set the new path. And if he's been doing cabinet making for 14 years, I would imagine he's probably around late 20s, early 30s. Uh, So the four sections that I think he's got kind of happening The first one, he's got this business loyalty. If I leave, the whole thing will fall over likely. I've got to stay. It's my responsibility. It's my duty. I've been watching The Last Kingdom. You know, it's all about the kingdom and not me personally. So there's that. Uh, The second one is the income. Uh, He's probably working for less than what he could get out in the market doing exactly what he's doing. The third one is the passion slash fulfillment. As you said, John, it's kind of dried up. And usually what you find is the income and the passion thing will kind of roll in the same because the more passionate you are about something, generally the more income that you will attract because you dial in and you're happy to be there. And the fourth one is that whole, do I start a small business? Do I be my own boss? So I want to talk about the first one, the business loyalty. At the end of the day, mate, your current employer is a functioning adult And his lack of business planning, his lack of business running and operations and all that, isn't your problem. My team here at Simo, it's not a prison. No one has to be here. One of our values is here by choice, owner. So we're all here by choice. Me personally, as a business owner, I'm trying to get rid of key person risk in my business. So each department has more than one person because if Someone wants to move on. Well, the business shouldn't collapse, and it's not realistic for me to have this blind loyalty back to the business owner. So, mm. you need to really let that go, mate. Um, it's not your problem. You've got your own family to worry about. Old mate's not going home from work each day saying, "Well, I hope Lachlan's family is taken care of, and I hope Lachlan's fulfilled." Yeah, like it's rubbish. Sometimes easier said than done, though, isn't it? Just oh, to totally. Goal of that. Totally. And that's why we just have to call it out and say that you have no obligation to stay with an employer because you've, you've brought it up with him several times and you said he's brushed it off. I mean, yeah. hello, he's yeah. not interested. He doesn't actually care about you. He just, nah. and I would be personally surprised if this individual's business, like the owner of the business is not running online. If he's not running the business week on week, It's just the M.O., isn't it, of this type of person? Um, So, yeah, so that's number one. Uh, You need to forget trying to carry other people's lives because they're not carrying yours. And back to kind of the small business thing, I reckon once you read the career book, Lachlan, and go through that first chapter with values and really digging into your values, if autonomy isn't a value of yours, if control isn't a value of yours, if risk-taking isn't a value, if all that kind of entrepreneurial stuff isn't a value to you, you might be better off suited to getting another job in the same industry. I mean, cabinet making and all that stuff, it is a booming industry and particularly like not just the homes and residential stuff, but all the commercial stuff. Like, man, and you've probably had them as well, John, but some of these, I've had clients that are cabinet makers who are earning close to 150, 200 a year They're running
1: their own show, but...
3: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, there is money to be made uh, because there's a lot of after hours work, particularly in the commercial world. And I get, Lachlan, that you're a bit gun shy because you've been through redundancies, you've been through, you know, businesses burning down and you've had it all. But I think now you've got an 18-month-year-old, now is the time to go, what do I want my life to look like? And once you do that values thing... I really think that will help push you in the right direction. But on the issue, John, of I I actually really like the idea of maybe that taking one day a week off and staggering a change. Now, that could be um, staggering a change for handyman work. Talk with the boss and say, hey, mate, longer term, I've just come up for air. I've got the new family talking with my spouse and I need to be doing something different in three years. So when you're talking to your boss, you are kicking the can down the road. So it's not an emergency fire with the boss. It's like, Mm. hey, this is going to happen longer term, medium term in my life. So having said that, can I take two, one, two days a week off to build my own thing? No intentions to stop this overnight, just giving you the heads up. And I reckon, John, like far out. There's so much work for handyman stuff. Like speak to all the local real estates. Like I honestly reckon in my leafy suburb here, if I did a letterbox drop and said, walking past lots of trees around, I can clean your gutters for a hundred bucks, call me. And just really put that hustle on and just start to get some money in the door.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a an industry where you've got that flexibility, haven't you? Like as a as a teacher you can't just say, oh, I'll go and do some extra teaching on Saturdays. Like whereas cabinetry making or, or whatever it is, handyman services, you can say, Well, I can earn an extra five hundred thousand dollars on a Saturday and you could actually build your business on Saturdays and still keep your five days a week.
3: That's right. And but that's obviously his balance between the family time yeah. and income. And also Lachlan, like, are you consumer debt free? Have you got an emergency fund? Are you running your own life on the line? Because you'd really want to get your own life set up first, then we can start to make these moves. Yeah. But how's this? Like, I reckon he'd make a great handyman because he's had 14 years of a trade experience. Well, I didn't tell you, but one of the properties, John, I had to um, get a new towel holder Installed right because mm-hmm. it, you know, they have fall out of the rock yeah, dicey, yeah. So I said to the agent, Yeah, send a handyman around. <laughs> and this was uh, between when the existing tenant moved out and I was doing some other work. And I said, The handrail is on the floor in the ensuite, it just needs to be re hung up, yeah. Anyway, got the bill 200 bucks or whatever, awesome. All out. I rocked up <laughs> and the wall was patched, and I'd left some paint of the same color. No towel rail. They took the towel rail and didn't <laughs> reinstall it. Sold it. Like, and I called the agent. like, what the heck? Um, they didn't reinstall. She goes, I made it clear that it needs to be reinstalled. Like, we don't want a bathroom without a towel rail. And I, I had to get them back to re And I'm just
1: like... 200 bucks for some rock.
3: Have a brain. Like, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And then they sent me another $80 bill... To install the tower, I'm just like, what the heck is going on? So, anyway, rant over. But I honestly think, John, the whole passion slash fulfillment quadrant and the income quadrant will sort themselves out if the top two quadrants, being the small business, yes or no, and the I'm not blind loyal to my employer at the moment, once those two things sort themselves out, the income and the passion thing will follow.
1: Yeah, and the the passion one's the key one for me. You, you can make as much money in the world as you want but if you're not passionate about something then that really starts to show and it, and it shows as a business owner but um, just as much as an employee and I think he's got to understand am I still passionate about it if I run my own business because that can often change, can't it? It's like, oh, I'm doing it for myself and the rewards for me now, I'm really passionate again about cabinetry making. Versus yeah. saying, well, I start my own business, I continue to be um, uh, running in the similar industry, but I- I'm still, my passion hasn't changed. So that's what he probably needs to discover in the coming months.
3: Yeah. Or, you know, if we don't have the values kink of, I want to run my own small business and do all that stuff, you know, he's a 2 see at the moment. Can we move up into some type of more management role in a bigger organization? Um, mm-hmm. So, but there was one thing that I wrote down in finishing and this is quite niche, but as they say, the riches are in the niches if you're American, right? (laughs) Did I say that? Yeah. Well, Pat Flynn did. So what we need to do is we need to use our skills and be a niche. Now, I wrote down this thing because just over the weekend, John, I was at an event at the Glenworth Valley Function Centre in um, Glenworth Valley, just north of Sydney. Yeah, lovely spot. Yeah, and the whole event centre and all that, my friend's company actually had the contract to build it. Anyway, Maddie's company, they built all these solid timber tables and they're just beautiful. Like, mm. I don't know if it was spotted gum or something, but they were really heavy. And I'm just like, I need... A custom hand-built spotted gum table. Like yeah. I want that because I've still got a table that I was given by a client eight years ago. And it's just one of those things where I just haven't found the right table. But I'm now thinking I want to buy a bespoke, maybe custom or hand-built table. Yeah. So the question is, does he have the room, the passion, the vibe to maybe start building this stuff on the side, start an Instagram account? I don't know and get the word out there. Hmm. Talk to some architects, talk to some builders and say, if you've got any clients building bespoke stuff, I can build solid timber furniture.
1: Yeah. It's just a niche that he's got to be passionate about, I suppose. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So realistically, I believe the the passion and the fulfillment will come, the income will come once you totally know in your heart that you're not obliged to stay with old mate forevermore. Amen. And And you don't have to run your own business. But if you do, you can try that on Saturdays, after hours, even after winter, daylight savings. Do the, because realistically, and I know we're harping on about this, but it's really good for people to hear that if they are stuck in something, realistically, you did the letterbox drop, gutters and lawns, and just get that ball rolling, get connections. Lots of real estate agents. Because the handyman I used to use He started by doing lawns and mowing and then it got to the point where he was doing other stuff and he no longer did the mowing.
1: Yeah, and I'd be surprised for someone like Lachlan that he wouldn't already have contacts generally in the industry because they they talk and hang out and and do all that. But, uh, yeah, being 2IC, just my, my, I suppose, final thoughts is for him he has got high responsibilities at work and the, the boss may freak out if he says, comes to him and says, Oh look, uh, I want a four day work week instead of five. Mm. So, if, if that was me personally, I'd be doing the whole Saturday morning, pick up some work and let that build as opposed to upsetting the apple cart right now. But the, the worst thing is that he sits back in two years' time and he's still in that role and he's still disgruntled and nothing's changed. I think he's got to rip the Band-Aid and, and make, the, make the move.
3: Yeah, and I think that kind of you know dovetails in, excuse the Timber reference um, and the joinery <laughs> reference, but like, it does dovetail in if you are talking to the boss have that language of medium term. So it's not this Mm -hmm. immediate thing Um, or do both. Do it on Saturdays. Also have the discussion. Hey, just let you know I'm mowing lawns on the weekend. Get a bit of extra cash. Maybe one day I might like to start a handyman business. Now, finally, you need to make sure that when you are talking with your boss, there is a very high chance your boss will tell you that you won't be able to do it. You won't make any money doing that. You can't do that. Listen to Johnny and Glenny right now you can. We've seen it happen before. One of the people that employed me years ago told me you'll never do it. Managed to build a business up and, you know. yeah. look at him. Now look at me. I'm an unemployed bum. Nice. How about that? So let's move on. Great, great discussion point. And if you do want to send in audio messages, team at, actually send it to podcast at sortyourmoneyout.com. Keep it under 90 seconds or we just won't get to it.
1: Otherwise, too long. Sit down. It's too too long. (laughs) Slows me down.
3: Now, question here in the Facebook group from Tasia. Hey, guys, what are your thoughts on buy now, pay later? And she put in the brackets, don't kill me, Glenn, for a new laptop, ideally a MacBook. Just wing it and buy cash brand new or refurbished. I'm looking to buy one in June, but skeptical about refurbished ones. So what we do is we go to, I'm Googling now, MacBook laptop, just to get a price up. Okay, so we can kind of get in the door for probably $1,300. I'm looking here, there's 1,300, 1,800, yeah, 1,400. Are they MacBook Airs, are they? Yeah, it might be the Air. Ooh, John, you sound like you know a thing or two about
1: MacBooks. Overrated, but anyway.
3: Yeah, so look, yeah, I've just got the Apple website up in Australia. Yeah, the Airs pretty much fifteen hundred to nineteen hundred, and the Pro from say two thousand dollars up to three thousand. So we'll just assume for this conversation that it is a Pro of two thousand dollars. What are your initial thoughts on you know these interest free buy now pay later? Because in the discussion in the Facebook group, I pretty much said no, just save up. And my rationale was, if you need buy now pay later to pay over four payments. So $500 a week for the next four weeks. Mm. Well, just wait the four weeks, then go and buy it once off. Mm. And then someone said, oh, is your logic the same for interest-free, store credit and all that stuff?
1: Yeah. Straight off the top, I would say let's avoid it. But I've done it before. When I first moved out and, and needed some furniture, I went and did the whole interest-free period and and paid it off. No, no problems. No interest charged. Um, so I, I get why people do it. Uh, I think we've got to understand in in this case how quickly do we need this, and can we save up the money in the time frame that we we actually don't need this? Because if if it's like a a car engine blows up, we need one tomorrow to be able to get to work. So it's not a something where we have to save for the ne- or we can save for the next six months. So that, that's the first question I would ask myself is do I need it tomorrow or can I save up and buy it in three months' time? And if the, if the answer is, yeah, I can do the latter, then I would still go that over buy now, pay later. Um, so that, that's probably um, the, the best advice I could give there.
3: Yeah, so I'm looking here at refurbished MacBook Pros. Yeah. And, you know, you buy them from Apple and they'll have a one-year warranty anyway. So they reckon it could be 15% cheaper. Um, And then I'm looking at another website. I won't say the brand, but um, here we go. Macle, Macle, (laughs) Apple MacBook Pro, (laughs) excellent refurbished. It's an i5, eight gigabyte, 520 hard drive, 13 inch screen, 800 bucks. So I've heard really good things in the comments with refurbished, uh, MacBook. And this one has a, we offer a comprehensive six month local warranty. Don't worry about buying extra warranty. Uh, but I would rather you buy refurbished one through either Apple direct or some other website that has six month warranty than, Uh, buying brand new through buy now, pay later or interest free. Now, a couple of things on the whole MacBook thing. Unless you are a video editor or some type of hardcore graphic designer that needs the juice, most of us are just watching freaking Netflix using Google Docs or Office 365 email. Like most computers are fine now. Like you really do not need the top of the line unless it's for straight up work purposes or graphics you know, or something, graphics or video editing. So one thing that you said, John, you said with the um, the interest free that you know for the twelve months you didn't pay interest, right? It's not about the interest, and if you've listened to this podcast for long enough, you'll know what I'm about to say. It is about tying up your cash flow. For a month, a year, six months, or whatever. And then if something happens in a month, a six months, in a year, and your circumstances change, it's really hard to sell the item that you had purchased on interest free to the same value that you owe the debt on. So interest is not your problem. It is tying up your cash flow to have payments hanging off it. So there was a heap of chatter in the group around, you know, interest-free and all that. And then I think someone talked about credit card um, balance transfers and whatnot. The whole credit card balance transfer, so that six months, 12 months, interest-free balance transfer, I would only consider it if one, you've completed the Glen James spending plan and there's a link in the show notes if you want to have a look at that and you might be surprised at how much it actually costs. It's very affordable, wink, wink. Two, you've got your money system in place and you're not living week on week anymore or at least not using the credit card still. So the balance transfer only works is if you do have a plan to transfer it and aggressively pay that off over the six months because one of the biggest traps is, John, and check the fine print, everyone, but you may find one or two of these cards say at the end of the six months, if you still owe $1, we will charge you interest on the original balance transfer amount. It's savage. So the problem is people think I'm sophisticated. I've got a balance transfer. I'm doing a debt consolidation, but they haven't done anything other than just move the debt if their behaviors have not changed. So my hardline thing with this no buy now, pay later. And we know just recently the government have come out and said we're probably going to regulate buy now, pay later as a debt product.
1: Hmm. Which it should be. So, so what if we need this straight away and we simply haven't got the funds? Well. Because there is these circumstances where 25 years ago, I needed a couch. Yeah. So I, I took a three-month payment plan and got it done so I could not get piles at night. Well,
3: when I moved out of home, John, um, to the terracotta nightmare dark hole of hell in the first rental that I had, yeah, um, because I was poor and needed a couch, I yes. had my camping chair while I saved up. Yeah. But that's the difference between you and I. Now, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you're a bit special and likely to be treated like a prince. Um, look, it's a good question. I don't know. I know that um, particularly, okay, number one, If you are needing it right away, I need a computer right away. Number one, likely you may be a uni student. You might not be, but if you are, there's computers in the university library. And this is advice and comments that people do not want to hear. There are local libraries that have computer terminals. Yeah. Like you can get access to a computer. You will probably have a smartphone. So I'm being very dramatic here. Yeah. And this is kind of what it leads to. A lot of people might not realize that laptops are one of the things that you can salary sacrifice through your work if they allow you to, and it won't attract fringe benefit tax. So basically, uh, the question she could write in, she could ask her employer if she's working, hey, can you please salary sacrifice a laptop and deduct it from my pay? Now this is the cool thing. I'm probably, probably, probably okay with having work by the laptop, salary sacrifice it, and asking if the employer can deduct it over the next month. Yeah, yeah. Or for pay cycle. I'm probably okay with that. Because that means that the laptop is purchased pre-tax. And then the employer will be claiming the GST back. So you could tell the employer, I'll pay it back, thanks, but also don't charge me GST because you're claiming that back anyway. Mm. So the ATO website says, your employer won't have to pay fringe benefit tax on exempt benefits such as a portable electronic device, well, that's laptop or iPhone or whatever, computer software, protective clothing, a briefcase, tools of a trade. So that is
1: an option. (laughs) So we've got to have a good look in the mirror and say, do we actually need this today or are we just wanting it today because we've got FOMO or we're just Mm. emotionally wrapped up in it all? That's what we're saying basically. Yeah,
3: totally. Now she wrote back after, there was almost like 45 comments and she wrote, thanks everyone, I'll explore the options above, no buy now, pay later. So that's awesome. Someone also said, Hannah said, I bought a refurbished MacBook Air 2017 for $470 last year. It's been fantastic for my purposes, uh, which is work admin, and she can't tell the difference between that laptop and brand new. So there you go. Mm, And we've only talked about Mac, right? All the other PC stuff may be cheaper. Yeah. And she's going to wait and purchase it in July.
1: It's like buying a cheap. Kogan TV and saying, well, I could have three of these over the next four years. And if they last me two years each, then I'm in front.
3: Oh man, I purchased one Kogan TV, right? Remember in my studio when I had Fortify at Clarnyvale, I had that big ass TV on the stand. Yes. On the wheelie stand. (laughs) Like the stand was cheaper than the freaking, no, the (laughs) TV was cheaper than the stand. But man, when it comes to Kogan branded stuff, I'll probably only buy one ever and I have and um and this is the whole thing, everyone, like the panels are probably coming from the same factory as Samsung, right? Yeah. But it's the processing. Hmm. Like you press menu and it takes a week for the menu to pop up. So yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, it's it's wild. But hey, we're all at different stages with our financial life. Totally. Me personally, I'll only buy Sony TVs now.
1: Yeah. And, and none, of us, none of us can afford Sony's um, other than you. So we're well, happy to
3: buy Kogan's. Yeah, that's right. But the whole thing is I'm probably one of the only people on this microphone right now who has a dining room table that they got given seven years ago yeah. um, that's got nail polish marks on it through from the guy's kids when he gave it to me. So not yours? Not mine. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, it's just the priorities. Everyone's priorities are different. Mm. You can only spend your money once.
1: You can only spend your money on it. <laughs> you know that big table of ours on the deck at yeah. the back? Yeah. we. Do you know where that came from? Uh, nope. We got the timber from an old barn on the farm that we knocked down oh, and um, got a guy here locally to uh, build some legs and it's my wow. favourite part of the house. Oh, I love that. Don't you
3: just love like, you know the coffee table, the timber one that yep. we have when we sit and record our podcasts? Mm-hmm. Like it's a cool, like really cool timber coffee table and everyone has commented like, oh, that's such a nice table. Do you know the history of that table? No. It was ours growing up. I learned to walk standing next to it. Really? As a child, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's cool.
3: Yeah. it's so it a well-built table. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like know, he was 40 years old. Yeah, and Glenny was little Glennie J was a little chugger, so yeah. uh, a good table. But mm. what you've got to work out with your financial life everything is a trade-off and you can only spend your money once. Simple as that. So spend it once, spend wisely. Now, me being impulsive, I've spent once before like everyone and not being wise. And it can happen again, but I've got to have systems in my life that will prevent blowouts. Mm. And one of the oldest stories that I've shared back in 2017, I think when I started the podcast, strolled into David Jones in Sydney, walked out with an Apple Watch. (laughs) I did not wake up that morning planning to spend $1,000 on an Apple Watch. So that was a $1,000 blowout. I've now got systems in my life where Glennie can't get his hands in the cookie jar without a bit of notes. Like, I don't carry a thousand more than $1,000 on my weekly spending account. So hmm. it just can't happen. Where is that Apple Watch? I sold it to buy the Omega. <laughs> <laughs> and all the haters jumped <laughs> into my DM. Um, but I actually valued the Omega and I'll keep it forever and it's increased in value. Yes. So, but again, I haven't bought a rug for the house. I haven't bought a new table. I've, you know, I've got no... Uh, my bedside table is a crappy, fantastic furniture one. There are some things in this life I don't care about spending money on. And you listening, there are some things in this life that you don't care about spending money on and other
1: things that you really love to spend money on. I can't wait till you buy your next house to live in. I'm just going to come and look at all these new shiny items (laughs) sitting everywhere.
3: Yeah, gosh. Nah, Mm. I'm, I'm a good boy, John. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be
2: back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click Get Help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click Get Help.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
3: Radio, welcome back to the community segment of the week where we ask the Facebook group a heap of questions and we read them out on the podcast. We can't do this segment without Sky Wealth. If you want your income insurance set up, your life insurance set up, head to sky.com.au forward slash MMM, book in a 15-minute complimentary discussion and the team will walk you through the process and what's involved to see if they can help. John, do not die without life insurance. All right, mate? All right. So, we asked everyone simple ways to make your house feel like a home. Oh my gosh, what a timely segue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Buy a very expensive set of legs for your farm barn
1: table like John. It's actually cheaper than buying an actual brand new table of equivalent size. No doubt about that. How's this? What a theme running through the podcast. We
3: started with Lachlan talking about how he does solid timber furniture, mm. where I'm a tight ass when it comes to dining tables. You're all bougie and uh, nostalgic. We've got some uh, things to read out there, John.
1: Yeah. So Claudia says lamps. And, and mm. we just purchased one of those last week because, as you know, we've just not long moved in. And there's, yeah, the lamp has made an amazing difference. Alana really? uh, says plants. You've got to water those things if you take good care of them. But yeah, that's absolutely fills up some dead space, doesn't it? Mm. Alicia, indoor plants and
3: candles. Vichy said plants and lamps. God, there's a bit of a theme here. Maddie, yeah. lamps everywhere. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, hang. On. Pretty but much. Everyone has
1: just said plants
0: and lamps. Seriously,
1: lamps and throw rugs. Yeah, especially this time of year. Um, Rihanna, this is your favourite. Have a dog. Nothing like a bit of dog hair on literally everything to humble you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you've got to get a poodle or a cavoodle or a, yeah, a something. Grudy, that, a grudy. A
3: grudy, a grudy, grudy. Mm. Debbie said, don't buy matching furniture sets. Take the time to find and invest in individual pieces that you love. Actually, fun fact, John. One thing that I've done with the kind of... What would you say? Like the once-off major purchases. So like my lounge... It worked at Blue Bay with that, like the light tiles, the white walls and beachside, you know, plantation shutters, like that big stuff worked there. Yeah. And then someone else was rocked up here the other day and they're like, oh, I love the furniture and everything. But it works in this style of building as well. So like the blinds have like they're timber blinds here and it's timber floorboards, but my furniture still matches. So what I'm saying is because I'm a fashion guru <laughs> is spend money on the staples, the quality staples yeah, yeah, yeah. and dress up. Yeah. Buy that yeah. pair of nudie jeans and dress it up with, I'll Diamantis. shut up. What are I'll shut those up die. now. I'm, anytime I it, talk about fashion, stop listening. Fashion. You know, you know what has made a big difference in our house? Um, the instant hot water. Thing that you've got under sink. <laughs> no,
1: curtains. Yes, yes. Like really solid, comfortable, warmly feeling curtains. Like yep. that's the best way from a male point of view I can describe it. it I'm just partial to high. a
3: sheer as well, <laughs> sheer. just throwing it out there. Or is it a <laughs> yeah. sheer or a sheen? Hang on. I don't know. But sheer. having sure. both
1: complement each other nicely.
3: No, it's a sheer. Yeah, straight up a sheer. Mm. Um, yeah, I've got some sheers in my room here at the moment. There's a blind and like a sheer in front of it. It's awesome. And he said, a bookshelf full of books and trinkets arranged by colour. Whoa. Um, have kids, says Aaron. Yeah. Crappies everywhere. Ben has a good one. And if you don't have this in your house, is it really a home? Ben said, live, laugh, love, poster. Sold many of those, haven't they? They have. All right, we'll bounce out of this segment. Thanks for listening to the community segment of the week brought to you by sky.com.au forward slash mmm. Get some insurance into ya. Here's one for you, John. Remy asked Hi, everyone. First time poster, long time member here with a quick question. Welcome, Remy. Glad you've been lurking around. I have an investment property in Queensland. I'm looking to sell. I signed the contract 8th of January 2021 and settlement was July 2022. The 12-month capital gain rule, does that apply from a contract date or settlement date as I'm hoping to qualify for the 50% reduction in tax? Any info appreciated. So, John, before we get to the specifics around the dates for investment properties, can you just give us a broad overview of of how capital gains tax works in Australia and the discount method that uh, investors can use.
1: Okay. So what happens in Australia is if you've got a principal place of residence uh, and you're living in that, you have a total capital gains tax exemption. So when you come to sell, you don't have to pay any capital gains tax. If you own investment properties, if you own them for longer than 12 months, then you'll be entitled to a fifty percent exemption. So I buy it for three hundred, I sell it for six hundred. That's a three hundred thousand dollar gain, and on that three hundred, I'll I'll be taxed at my marginal tax rate in the year that I sell it. If I've held it for longer than twelve months, I'll only pay tax on half that amount. So one hundred and fifty k I'll be taxed on uh, in that financial year that I sell the property. So going back to the question from Remy. Uh, is the 12-month capital gain rule apply from contract date or settlement date. You can go to the ATO website, Australian Taxation Office website, and check this out. Um, But it's from the date in which you sign the contract. So, 12 months excluding that particular day. uh, From there, you'll be entitled to that 50% exemption.
3: An example, like if you buy an off-the-plan apartment and you sign it on the 1st of January 2023 this year – and the property settles on the 2nd of January, 2024, you could sell it that day for a profit and get the 50% uh, capital gains tax exemption on the property.
1: Hmm. So just, just reinforcing that it's for investment properties. If we're living in our own home, we, we don't have at the moment any capital gains tax applied.
3: So another example with capital gains tax and your shares. If, for example, you purchased $1,000 of CBA shares and you paid, you know, $20 brokerage, when you you hold those shares for 12 months and they're worth $1,020, so they've increased by $20, when you go to sell them, the cost base will be reduced by the brokerage that you paid. So you can't claim the brokerage on tax, but it reduces the cost
1: base when you go to sell the property, uh, when so, you go to sell the shares. So if the brokerage costs $20, you don't pay any capital gains because you've basically broken even. That's right, yeah. So if the brokerage- that example.
3: Well, there could be $20 brokerage on the way out. So the cost base could probably be the same price as the gain. Yeah. If yeah. that makes
1: sense. Yeah. And so, the same thing happens
3: with- um, with stamp duty for investment properties. Is that yeah, correct, yeah. John?
1: And and even uh, buyer's agent fees and, and any other fee that you've incurred on the way in and out. So agent's fees, building and pest inspections, those things, not in the financial year, but when you sell it, uh, you can add it back and a good accountant will be doing that for you. Absolutely. Now,
3: before we go to the next question, I forgot to mention just after the Facebook community segment of the week, just some housekeeping. We like to do this now just to let everyone know what's happening uh, in the My Millennial Money world. Like There's a heap of free resources. You can go to education.mymillennial.money for a heap of online courses that we've got. But tonight, the 13th of June, John Pigeon, the big dog himself, John, you're doing a webinar, how to build a property portfolio. It's at 7pm tonight, Sydney time. Melbourne time, Queensland time, I guess, Canberra, whatever, Hobart. Uh, We'll put a link in the show note to the
1: webinar, but what are you covering tonight, John? Yeah, so if you're an avid listener of the show or you're a first-timer, that's cool. Uh, Probably about a month or so ago, I don't know. Check where you listen to podcasts. But we did a recording, Emily and I, on how to build a portfolio and, and how to build a multi-property portfolio and the pros and cons of doing that. So I'm going to thrash that out in a webinar where I can take some Q&As because some people are out there, they they want to build a multi-property portfolio but don't know where to start and, and where to actually finish and what it might look like at the end of the day. So we, we're going to thrash out a whole episode of scenarios with that and uh, and just give people a bit more information in, uh, in the big stuff.
3: Right, yeah. So if you do have an interest in property as an investment, you can uh, click the link in the show notes. Uh, What else we got? So, My Millennial Daily, the podcast that we did, is now available everywhere. It's no longer exclusive to Spotify. It's on Apple. And what we're doing, we're just grabbing clips from all different shows and putting it up as a daily thing. So, if you don't have time to be sitting here freaking an hour into a chat and you just want to be inspired on the daily, on the reg with random topics and questions and all that, subscribe to My Millennial Daily on Apple, Google, wherever you want. It's still on Spotify. Uh, So, it is now non-exclusive. So,
1: does that mean we don't have to record anymore?
3: No. No exclusive content. No. Have I told you about this stuff?
1: Uh, Sort of. Yeah. yeah.
3: Either way. (laughs) So, (laughs) a lot of moving parts. And also, um, if you're over 50, 55 years old, or if you're just interested in uh, retirement as a thing. You can listen to the Retire Right podcast. Uh, new episodes have been released and it is happening. And finally, Natasha said, asking for a friend, has anyone got out of a novated car lease early? So John, have you ever got out of a novated lease? Do you do no novated, novated leases or shuttle mortgages? Yes, I do. Which one?
1: I've got a novated lease that's coming up uh, next month, actually.
3: Hmm. Right. So, you do that through your business? Yes.
1: Yeah. And have you ever gotten out of one early? I haven't. No. I've just set and forget the amount per month and uh, factor it into the r- cost of running the business. Yeah. You? Um,
3: I don't think I've got – like when I was commuting to Sydney when I was an employee, I had a novated lease because it was actually cheaper like it was salary sacrificed and all that. And if you are like traveling a fair bit, do a lot of kilometers and all that stuff, and you are interested in, you know, a car on finance, it's one of those things where I personally say, chat with an accountant, pay them a few hundred dollars to crunch the figures. Mm. Or if work provides um, like the Maxia type salary packaging companies, if they provide, Figures like you're on 80 grand a year. If you salary sacrifice $15,000 a year for the car, for the fuel, for heaven and earth, here is what it looks like. Take what they give you and run it past an accountant. Like pay for your own advice because it might end up being better than um, just getting a car loan in your own name, uh, quote unquote. So, a couple of things. When you are trying to get out of a novated lease early, Generally speaking, you need to know a couple of things. The car, I said quite unquote" before, but the car is actually in your name. So the registration papers are in your name. There is just a personal guarantee on the debt. So if you leave a job and go to another job, even if you use that car for that job, you're carrying the bag. So you need to know that. The second thing is most of these Novated Leases aren't set up like personal loans. So with a personal loan, if you paid it off early, you would save on interest broadly. And that's why you have to check with each debt that you're paying off early. But with car leases and Novated leases and shuttle mortgages, at the start of the lease, they say it's $682 every single month for four years. If you paid it off early, you're not saving interest. So you just need to know that. So you might go, well, I just thought I'd paid off, you know, I got an inheritance from pop or nan or whatever, heaps of money is going to pay it off. You're only paying it off for housekeeping, not to save on interest. Thirdly, you've got to check and you should know this at the end of the lease, you may have a balloon due. So that means at the end of the lease, if you let it run its course, the lease is over and you've got to then pay $12,000 or $20,000 as a balloon payment. Usually you would hope that the asset at the end of the lease is worth the same amount as the balloon. Do you do yours with balloons, John?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, And I think people get stuck with this because they sometimes don't quite understand how that balloon works. If you can choose what balloon payment you have at the end, high or low, but the higher the balloon payment you have at the end, the, the lower the repayments will be through the duration of that loan which effectively means you pay more interest over that journey. So you've got to get a balance and, and, and cash flow, what you can manage but also not just getting totally taken to the cleaner with uh, with interest repayments. Yeah. So
3: the balloon, if you – and most people have what, a 20% balloon? That's usually yeah. the standard, isn't it? Yeah. Like you wouldn't want it any more than that. You'd, no. Ideally like 10. Yeah. So for example, if I was buying a $30,000 car – I could say over the four years, I want to pay it off with a $6,000 balloon at the end, which is the 20%, right? Pretty much that $6,000 or 20%, it's basically an interest only loan for the asset throughout it. So, that's the dance. If you had zero balloon, it would be higher repayments because at the end of the loan term, there'd be no money left owing. But if you had a higher balloon, um, you've got more of an interest only loan on that balloon. Yeah, more interest paid. Yeah. So that's what you need to check out, Natasha. Obviously, call the lease provider. They will generally give you a payout figure to a certain date. So they'll go, look, this is valid till the 15th of next month, because on the 16th, that's when we take the next payment. Um, Beware of there might be some weird payout fees. There might be a $10 admin fee. I was reading someone had a lease arrangement and they were charging $20 to request a payout figure. And all this BS is just why I keep away from any type of consumer debt. Mm. Just because I just hate having crap hanging over me. I hate wanting to just know something and then are like, oh, it's $20. It's just like, yeah, it just irks me. So paying out the novated lease, it will be possible, but you just have to one, factor in that there's a balloon, yes or no. Factor in that... Um, is there a payout fee other than just paying out the remaining amount and just really understand that you aren't paying it out early to save
2: interest. Yeah.
1: And, and for Natasha and everyone else, I think if you're not getting major tax benefits by having a Novated lease or a sh- um, shuttle mortgage, then, yeah, you ideally you want to be paying cash, don't you?
3: Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing. Like I pay cash because it just slows me down. Like it hurts more to spend twenty thousand dollars on a car Mm. in one go rather than going. Oh, I can afford seven hundred dollars a month for a forty thousand dollar car or whatever it is. Like I don't even know what the bush maths repayments are because I just don't have car loans and haven't for some time.
1: Yeah, and and I'm happy to give some rough numbers on mine. Like my, I was, I think uh, the the car I purchased was sixty four. And the the total interest over the journey was like in in total was seventy three k. So I know that you can claim the the GST back being a business owner, and you can claim the the running costs which are the interest. So it, it actually and and the, the the car that you buy is also important in terms of how much it actually depreciates because some cars depreciate when you uh, sit in it, whereas others will perform pretty well over the journey as well. So take that into account. Mm. Far
3: out. Your one car is worth both of my cars.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I've got, <laughs> I've got three kids. And a dog, <laughs> oh.
3: Yeah, rightio. So I we divided
1: it up amongst five of us. It's actually not that bad.
3: Yeah, right. Okay. Well, let's move along. Hey, we're about done. Uh, good chats today, Johnson.
1: Anything particularly stand out for you today? Oh, look, there was a lot about the home, wasn't there? And, and mm. uh, the timber. And uh, the carpentry and the joinery oh, it was uh, it was a bit of a yeah, it was a bit of a consistent theme throughout
3: yeah, I loved it yeah. and everyone, thanks so much for listening. If you are new to the podcast and you haven't spammed your friends yet or if you haven't for a while, uh, please forward this show on to anyone if you listen and you don't subscribe or follow, hit a follow, leave us a review. We don't spend any money on advertising, we rely on word of mouth, so hopefully you've been Entertained with the whole my millennial one thing. I've always wanted to create infotainment, and I've always wanted to have at least two of these three things covered when we record a podcast. Do you know what the three are, John? Uh, Entertainment. Mm, No. Humor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Slash humor. Fun. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, Knowledge. Uh, Yeah, I'll call that information. Yep.
1: Yep. And the third one would be, John. Sure.
3: No. So I like to always want to at least do two of these three things, fun, valuable and practical. Because of, I reckon if we at least have it fun and valuable, awesome. Yeah. If at least it's valuable and practical,
1: awesome. So- I Don't know about you, but I've been getting a lot of people uh, both in person and online um, talk to me about they've just started listening to to our show and and the age of those people have been a lot older. Um, traditionally, where. On the younger side of things, but yeah, people older than me uh, have been wow. tuning in. So and you're
3: basically a fossil.
1: Well, it's mid—I call it middle-aged, Glenn. Right, right, yeah. Um, no, that's cool.
3: Well, thanks yeah. everyone. If you're new, I've always like in the back of my mind, John. Like, do we change the name from My Millennial Money? I was, I was thinking. I was telling the team this morning, actually. I'm like, I want to change the podcast name to More Is More. What the hell is that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that you
1: you always want to keep changing things.
3: Well, that's my MO anyway, everyone. I like change. I like new projects. I got shiny object-itis most of the time, which I'm trying to curtail. All right, John. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Appreciate your support. We'll see
2: you next week. Right. Bye. Bye.